welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm here. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Just barely. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, lots of Browns news um, in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, just recently, we signed a new quarterback, Drew Stanton, to a two-year deal. Um, he's going to be making the, – the numbers aren't out yet, but we've decided collectively that he's going to be making about $3 million a year is what we're going to go with. Two and a half to three. Two and a half to there. three. Does that sound about right? Um, wa- see you, wa- Cody. Watch him, watch him come in at like $8 million a year. <laughs> we're just way off. No chance. Just so, so wrong. Um, and then we also signed Tank Carter, who we were singing his accolades just recently that he's the longest tenured Brown probably yeah. on, on team right now. Yes. Um, Tank Carter s- fills a very specific role, and I'm happy to have him back on our special teams. Neat to have a great special teams player like Tank. Is it? But the biggest signing was actually the EJ Gaines signing. That Absolutely. We signed him on a deal that really makes no sense to me. I mean, it's good for the Browns. makes no Bad sense. for EJ. One-year, $4 million deal. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the league last year. Is only 26 years old. I don't really understand why there wasn't a market for him. This doesn't make sense to me on a number of levels. So... Since when are the Browns in position to be like the team where somebody comes and like takes their one year deal? Like and Dominican Sue just yeah. signed a one year deal with the Rams because they're like a legit team. Nasty. And he's gonna <laughs> he's look got a awesome. Chance to win a Super Bowl and, and play with gonna awesome look people. amazing. Right. And so he's signing the one year deal and then he'll sign his bigger deal next year. Why is EJ Gaines taking the chance to play with the Cleveland Browns for one year? Like since when does a non contender like the Browns get to sign the player with on that wants to take a chance. The only thing I can think is he's played with Greg Williams before, so maybe. But he, he sucked. Like he was maybe. nowhere near as good in LA as he was last year playing a different scheme in Buffalo. Maybe that's fair, but maybe he liked Greg Williams, and then he also looked at our roster and said, "Oh yes, I'm definitely gonna be the starter and be the number one corner there, and so get to showcase myself." If you're sh- trying to showcase yourself for that big deal. You probably want to be in a position where and, you're, and that might be true. The thing about EJ Gaines is just his health. Like he hasn't been consistently healthy throughout his career. So if he can put to, it seems like if he can put together just one consistent year of good health, he'll be in good position for a decent long term deal. Yeah, and I'm excited to have him. Hey, I'm happy to be the team taking a getting good value on a one year deal for a player that needs to prove it. I'm just fine with that situation well, I, at this stage of free agency. Pro football focus like earlier today and we have three of like the top twenty cornerbacks from last year on Pro Football Focus overall and they're all under the age of like twenty seven. Um obviously Body Calhoun was the last one on that list, but Jay Gaines was like twelve or something like that last year. Um which who, is a, which is a great pickup. Who loses their spot like on this team, maybe? I know we traded McCordy. Well Jason but... McCordy did. It's like, hard for well, me. Jamar we have, Taylor. To me, we have. Spot? To me, we have too many slot corners and not enough outside corners. So like, Body Calhoun can play the slot. T.J. Carey can play the slot. But Carey's gonna play outside. I know we we had this debate the other yeah. day. Um, he he's an outside guy. Well, I think that they're gonna play him there. Um, but I think if we're being real too, Jamar Taylor should also be playing the slot. And so I don't know how they're going to swing that. I mean, in my ideal world. Uh, What's your ideal world, Michael? Um, Body Calhoun gets as many snaps as possible. That's, I think, my, like, as I look at the corners, like, he should get more than anyone. But we're paying TJ Carey to get lots of snaps, so that looks like your two outside corners. And then your slot guy is going to be, I think Jamar Taylor's probably the best one, but then we're also talking about EJ Gaines. He's probably going to get plenty of... EJ Gaines will start. He's gonna There's start no on doubt the, in my mind. Yeah, he's going to start on the outside. So I'm just... I think Jamar Taylor lost his spot. I think he's the loser in this EJ Gaines deal. Because our, our top three corners, are, I think, are pretty much set. So that probably keeps Body inside on the slot and EJ hey, Gaines outside with um, TJ Carey on the That's fine side. with me, having Body in the slot and then having um, Demarius Randall and Jabril Peppers. Like, you're not going to get to the second level. At all, no. Um, I, we got a bunch of good tacklers right it's there. It's an improvement over last year, and that's for sure. That's all, about all you can ask for is to continually get better. For sure, I was I was a little bit worried when we traded McCordy um, to New England just for cornerback depth because that was such a big issue last year. 
Um, and we were rolling out people who I didn't even remember were on the roster the week well, before. But like even guys like Mike Jordan was a solid player when he had to come in. Like he wasn't a huge liability. Yeah, we he have wasn't terrible. We have Howard Wilson coming off injury. Like who knows if he'll be able to contribute anything? Like I'm not counting on anything there. But um, there are bodies. There's no doubt. Like we're not like having to pick somebody off a waivers in the secondary. Yeah. Which is kind of how we felt last year. Yeah. It's not like Green Bay where they were starting Demarius Randall as their number one corner. All right. And he's actually a free safety. <laughs> he he seems super excited. No, he he's back to, free to play free safety. Yeah. I'm really interested to see if we're going to pick up that option. I assume we're going to. I'm just waiting for Did that you see that? to come out. I think we have to decide. And then, like, when are all those options due to be picked up? I think in the coming weeks. Is um, I thought it was like May. Okay, so Something over like the next couple of months. Yeah, but I mean, he's not going to be on the field before you decide to do that. So no. I don't know really what you're making your decision based on. Did you see that interview that Demarius Randall had on like NFL Network or something like that? He was on, and they were just like asking him all these questions. He was saying how excited he is to get back to Cleveland, how excited he is to get to the free safety position again. He's like, that's where I was drafted. I was a number all, one overall free safety in the class. And they just kept asking questions. I was like, okay, all right, I like this guy. And they were like, who's your number one quarterback coming in this draft? He's like, hmm. I'm gonna say uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, and oh I was boy. just like, I was like, all right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> next. <laughs> I'm no longer gonna listen to what you think about what the Browns roster is gonna look like next year. Um, we right, got a so, lot of things so, we want to talk so, about so, today. So speaking about what the Browns roster is gonna look like next year, we have the number one and number four pick. Legitimate argument. All right. Is it a wise decision? for us at that number one and number four pick to pick two quarterbacks. Hedge our bets, right? We can never get it right, right? That 22 pick has always been the thorn in our side. We can't do it. Should we just pick two guys in the top five and then know that we're going to have a, well, not now, but have a better chance to get a quarterback for the future? Um, I think this this argument had a lot more legs before we signed Drew Stanton because now it's like we clearly have like roster spots. We're, we're clearly not going to do it. Yeah. But- I mean, you could cut Drew Stanton. Yeah. No, but, Drew's, Drew's QB three. Yeah, We're but carrying four. And Tyrod, are you just forgetting about Tyrod Taylor? And then yeah, we're going to no, draft two the, guys? The guy we drafted at number four is going to be QB four. <laughs> you, don't keep, you don't roster four quarterbacks. I mean, so, true. Drew Stanton's a throwaway. Like, probably shouldn't be considered in this exercise. And... If you're really talking about the most important position in, on your roster, like why wouldn't you maximize your chances? And I think as we like talked about this off air the other day, we basically said the only reason you don't do this is because of locker room politics and having to manage that, especially considering that Hugh Jackson's your head coach. I just think it's you don't and would have, never be able to manage it's that. It's the it's a man management issue. I don't know that it's locker room politics and and whatnot, but you have two guys who are coming in and are going to expect to have a shot to prove themselves and one just less than the by other. numbers, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm just thinking like practically, let's think about who these guys would be, right? So Sam Darnold at one. Sure. Most likely, I think that's probably the consensus pick. Yeah. And then Baker at four. Well, I think... I think if you're going to pick two, you might as well pick one that's pretty safe in Darnold and then one that's kind of a dice roll, right? Like you should go so like Josh, Josh Allen. Allen or maybe Lamar Jackson. Well, hey, Darnold and Josh Allen, they're already rooming together. <laughs> like they already are like best buddies. Like let's let's keep it rolling. Yeah. We might as well bring uh Spring above. Jordan Palmer on staff too. Might as well. I mean, he's he's both of their QB coaches, right? Exactly. That's they're rooming together as they're training with Jordan Palmer right now. Um, so, which actually rolls us right into um, something that came up. We're actually we're not going to talk about the pro days. Everybody's talked about the pro days, and I don't think the um, coaches and the staffs really like put that much weight on guys throwing against air with no pads on. Um, so we're not going to spend time on it. But the one thing that we pulled out of these pro days and everything around it was some of the quotes from Jordan Palmer. Um, He made a comment that was really striking that I don't think I've heard from anyone else around the NFL saying something along the lines of, I think the future of the quarterback position is going to be players that can make plays in space when everything breaks down. And 
it made sense with everything I'm seeing as we're looking at the rest of the NFL draft and teams having like gaps on the offensive line. Like we're going into this draft where there are no top flight tackles available. Like no one feels confident about any one of the tackles. The only offensive lineman that anyone feels good about is Quentin Nelson as a guard. Aside from that, all the offensive linemen seem to be crapshoots. There might be a center or two that people feel okay about, but that's not a highly valued position in the draft in particular. There's not a single tackle that anyone would like die for. And so to think about a quarterback and a valuable trait, potentially the most valuable trait being able to create when like the pass rush comes in and you have to like create outside of structure, um, makes a ton of sense and probably knocks Josh Rosen down a couple notches as you project these guys into the future, which would so just, they, just so made a ton Josh of sense. Josh Allen is a dream. Josh Allen, I don't he's know about crazy, that. He's a stupid athlete. He's the fastest out of all of them besides Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, but why is it why is it Lamar Jackson the dream? Yeah, I don't know that it like puts Josh Allen as the top guy. I think that there's others because, that maybe uh, Josh Allen is so tall, so big can stand in the pocket too like he's just huge has a crazy rocket arm that lamar jackson doesn't have like he can toss the ball 60 yards down the field which honestly isn't that important but um but if he can't like do- his ball velocity all of those things the reasons why the immeasurable like the in, the measurable reasons why everyone loves him also falls into that argument. i just i don't think i actually agree with you on that because it, when I watch the tape and see Josh Allen, I don't necessarily see the natural like instincts that you need to evade the rush and make the right play in that sense. So he might have the physical ability to do those things. But he's not doing it. But he doesn't have the instincts or the like accuracy in those situations to actually make the play. Like so, what you see from what you see from him. So what happened to Johnny Manziel? Like he, that's what he was great at. Like Jordan Palmer said, Johnny Manziel is the prospect of the future. Well, Johnny Manziel True. had issues off the field. Yeah. Substance issues on abuse. The, so, yeah. so no, <laughs> mental mean, obviously, health. Obviously, but like, would Johnny? So Did you forget? Could Johnny Manziel be a good quarterback? Yeah, he was a good quarterback on the field. Like he was actually pretty decent as a Browns quarterback. Like I think you're forgetting when he played, he was not like the worst he was not exactly he, the reason had, we were losing he had games where he looked pretty decent and then he had games that were just awful not not kevin hogan awful but <laughs> but awful oh uh, um, no, i don't right, I, so, I think there's a potential for johnny manzel to be a successful nfl quarterback um, so, to answer that question and i think he'll get another shot i want to go back to the quarterback at one and four if we drafted a quarterback at one and four and had tyrod on the roster how many games would they get to start under Hugh Jackson in this next season? In 2018? How many games would Tyrod start? How many games would the number would one split. start? And how many games? They would split. All of them would start an equal amount It'd be of like 5-5 five, five, and 6? Yeah, 5-5 yeah, five, five, pretty much. Because Hugh could not make a decision, and he would listen to what the media is saying, and he would change his mind at the drop of a hat. That's a good question. Because you have the two guys. like It'd be so hard to not play one of them. Yeah, but I think how would how would you go with? I mean, I mean Tyrod's fine, but you you're gonna sit both of them on the bench. I think you would have to until he gets hurt. You would have to until he gets hurt. Um, unless we just lose like seven, like our first seven games or something, you'd have to like really suck for the first half of the season to like switch to a rookie. Yeah. So I the reason I like this idea, and I'm not actually advocating that we do this. But I like the the think outside of the box strategies, and when you're valuing things differently than other other teams, um, it would be. I would love it if this happened, just because of like the that chaos would awesome. that would, that it would cause. Percent Can you chance. imagine when they go up to to pick at four and they and pick another quarterback, percent and then everybody's chance. like, "Wait, are they trading one of these people? Are they like We're just gonna hold going them on? hostage?" Because it's like clear there's a top four quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So they go one, two, three, and, and then they're like, just, oh, off to the our best better. our best move is to take the fourth guy. We'll just trade them no, to the, the best no but the, the highest bidder that actually makes the most sense because think about quarterback like value. you can kind of quarterback that's screwed behind someone for like two or three years is way more valuable than a quarterback that you push into the fold in their first year and then they suck like 
Think about like all these guys, like Jimmy Garoppolo and all these people who are sitting behind but are decently high picks in a good situation. Their value increases instead of their value decreasing. We're constantly getting quarterbacks, and then they're all of a sudden being devalued as soon as we put them out on the field because we're a bad team. It's not. It's not the worst idea. This feels like something Sashi would do. Oh and, yeah. And just get like at least contemplate. Forms. Yeah. At least contemplate. Yeah. No, that would have had this discussion. Um, Mark, what if we pick a quarterback at one and four? Yeah. What What is like your first thought? That is my first thought. When they like pass. Great. Like, hopefully now we'll for sure have a quarterback for the future. And there's a 100% chance that we're on hard knocks this next year. (laughs) Because, because like, that will be, like, TV entertainment at the, like, epitome. There's no doubt. You're absolutely right. I'm just trying to think of how many text messages I would get from just friends of mine who know I'm a Browns fan. Just... Like laughing face emojis or, oh, no, that, or something like that. That is true. Everyone would be like, that's the dumbest thing yeah. that's ever happened in the history of time. And you'd be like, sure, maybe, but also, maybe not. Think about this. Like, they didn't just like make this decision flippantly. Like, that's the, that's the worst thing about being a Browns fan, no doubt, is there's when you try to defend what the Browns are doing, everyone's like, oh, this guy. <laughs> like, he's really fighting hard for like saying the Browns are making the right choices. Like he's got it bad. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you like like this girl and you just like, she's obviously the worst and you're trying to defend her being the right choice. And everyone's like, ah, oh, nah, yeah. dude, there's nothing you can say at this point. We've, like, we've all been there. You're in the, you're, we're Browns got, fans. We all got the completely rose, You've got understand. the rose colored glasses. All right. So we're in the draft, right? No, I want to do, wanna go, I wanna do final, final question. Final question. That's I want to do it for all three of us. If we pick quarterback at one and four, what two do you want? Mark? I want Baker and Darnold. I'm, I have the same answer. It would be the other order, though. It would be Darnold first and then Baker. Because I like those. Those are my top two quarterbacks. Okay, I'm going to go Baker and Lamar Jackson. Because I think Jackson has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor. Like, it could go, go anywhere. And so, might as well, if you're going to... You don't have to take Lamar Jackson at four, though, is the problem. Like, you could trade back with Buffalo or any of these other situations and, and get Lamar Jackson Even potentially. better. Yeah. Even better. Do it. Yeah. No, that, oh, yeah. That'd be sweet. So, so at one and four, be, I would actually – One and 12? I would actually yeah, no, be kind of upset that. with Lamar Jackson at four. I don't think I'd be upset with any of the other top Just four Just because the market's – like, nobody's chasing him at right. yeah. four. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fair. No, that would be – I'd be into that. If we traded back and also drafted Lamar Jackson, I'd be into that. Imagine, I mean, imagine re- Twitter. Ima- I mean, imagine all of the Saquon Barkley okay. bros. This Nin- is fun to think about. Of the reason I'd be into it is because we have a Browns podcast, and it would just be endless conversation. <laughs> okay, this would be like a legitimate possibility if Sasha Brown was still our GM. But given who our GM is, this is not actually a possibility. John Dorsey's not going to do this I in a million years. I have to say, years. part of the reason why I wanted to do a Browns podcast was because Sashi Brown was our GM. And that's like my favorite, like just the weird stuff that he did just got me excited. Speaking of trades and Sashi Brown, um, so we, we're at one and four. What are, if we don't draft two quarterbacks, what are the legitimate options of trades that you guys would really want to have happen? Like, would you be willing to trade the number one pick away, the number four pick away? Um, There's a lot of options. And I... (sighs) What's your dream scenario? That's what I want you guys to both cast. What is the perfect draft scenario for our one and four pick in the first round where the most value is? What do you want to see happen? This is really hard because I think we have to absolutely take a quarterback in that first spot. And then... I don't think anyone knows what the Giants are going to do at number two. And that's the hinge point because obviously the Jets are going to take a quarterback at three. So that's like, a, write it in, one and three are quarterbacks. Whatever happens with the Giants significantly affects what the Browns will do at four. So if the Giants take a quarterback, which is what I would do if I was the Giants, uh, then the fourth quarterback is available when the Browns are there at four. And Denver probably should take a quarterback at the fifth spot. So anybody that wants to get ahead of Denver would be in the market to trade up with the Browns, which also puts Denver in the market to trade up to take that spot to prevent others from getting getting there and taking the quarterback that they want. 
But it's I'm a, not so. A, I'm not a perfect so sure. situation for the Browns if it, you if they like Bradley Chubb because they either get Bradley Chubb or they're sitting in an awesome seat to trade out of that spot. Do you think Bradley Chubb is the only player that they would the Browns would have their eye on and contemplate selecting at number four? I I don't think they're looking at Saquon Barkley at four. I can, based on the people that we have in our front office and their history, I cannot buy anybody saying that we're interested in Saquon Barkley at one or four. Um, I think Minka's in that conversation. I think they could look to the secondary, but we've added a bunch of secondary players, so that's not nearly the pressing need that it was. So I just don't know who else is there. I mean, we're not going to take Nelson who's the other player at that spot, unless we're taking Nelson to bump Batonio out to the left guard or left tackle. Which we talked about last time, right? Um, and it doesn't look – that's clearly not their first option to move Batonio. They're working Sean Coleman. But over it's there. an interesting discussion because the Browns aren't lacking in draft capital. Like, it's right. not like we need to drop back – like a team like the Colts needed to because their roster is in such a terrible spot. They don't have the assets to get it to a healthy spot. Like the Browns have a lot. But that's when you can command a premium. Right. When you don't have to. Because you can be like, no, we really like We'll just stay Minka. here and take, take our guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, Denzel Ward I don't disagree take. with you. Um, it's just an interesting spot, and I have no clue what Dorsey's going to do. I agree with you that the track record of the folks making decisions in our front office is that we won't take Saquon. And for the record, I hope we don't take Saquon, one or four. That dude cannot fight through a tackle to save his life. What what draft pick, like assuming we move back, what draft pick would you be comfortable taking Saquon at? Well, like how a, far back in the first round? Would it has you have to be to past ten for me. Like if we traded back with Buffalo and took him and at you 12, got that, like twelve, I don't think I would be like irate, but I still think I might rather have like a Denzel Ward or something like that at that spot. Yeah, I, I really am soured on if, if Saquon. Saquon if Saquon's there at twelve, I don't think Denzel Ward's there at twelve, just based on how the sure. draft went. Right, right. All right, so if you if you trade back to twelve, where where is the ideal team that you trade back to? Is it Miami? Is it Buffalo? Is it Kansas City? My, go ahead, you answer, and I'll go. Well, Miami's sitting at eleven. Mm-hmm. They they don't have a ton of draft capital. They just have kind of their standard allotment. So you'd be getting future first round picks, maybe a first which that's and a what second, I'm down for. I like this pick. train that we're on of getting two first round draft picks every year. No, and that's fine. At least me. one starter every year. Um, there's really only four teams. It's it's Miami, Buffalo, like we've mentioned. Which you, Buffalo has 12 and 22. Yeah, this and year. then 53 and 56, in the, which is our, our, in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Arizona probably needs a quarterback. So it could be, but they're at 15. They'd have to give up a King's ransom. And they, they're in a similar boat to Miami. They don't have much of anything to give. Um, and then you've got Denver at five. Yeah. Moving up. My, my ideal, what I love is the idea of getting Buffalo's. 12, 53 and 56, and a first round next year. So don't bother with their 22. Just take 12, right. two of their second rounders, and their first rounder next year. Yes. And then if you wanted to, you could, you would then have, the Browns would then have five second round picks, which would be 15% of the entire second round <laughs> of the draft, which would it's be so incredible. That would be amazing. So you could either take five really good players, which, or I mean, could, or you could package them and go. Arguably, and get then you want. just like trade away the rest of your draft picks because you just drafted six like stud players. Just yeah, how many more can you take on yeah. your roster? Um, or you package up some of those second round draft picks and start moving back up for players. They jump in the back, back into, into the, the first, first round. round. Get you like could honestly do that twice or something with that the thirty three and the thirty six pick that we have. Pair them with other two first Later, round picks, round picks and yeah. jump up and and do that twice. And you could have four first round picks if you wanted to. Which would be pretty freaking nasty. That sounds be and fun. a first round pick next year because so, you just so, got that for Buffalo. Like so, you were, that would be so disgusting. Is that like actual like value chart? Yeah, straight up like correlated. Is that something that could actually happen? Yeah. So I so I ran the numbers on the Chase Stewart value chart, which is the most accurate reflection of kind of what NFL teams are using nowadays. Um, 
instead of the old like Jimmy Johnson chart, which wasn't really based on anything. It was kind of just arbitrary and everybody decided to use it. But so Chase Stewart came out with one. Um, And I looked at what the Jets had to give up to move with the Colts because you're moving up in the front of the draft to get up to get that quarterback. That's and there's the certainly there's certainly a premium. And the, the market Jets, was set right there when they yeah, did that. The Colts basically got um like two to one value for that um pick. The Jets overpaid by a factor of two. So if we were trading with Buffalo, we absolutely could using the same logic, losing using the same markup, you could get their twelve, fifty three, fifty six and a first round next year, and it would still be a slightly smaller premium than what the Jets paid to move it to the Colts to go to three. Let's so do it. If, if they're willing to do it, it's not out of the question. To, so, my, to be in that value. so my perspective on where I'd be comfortable trading out, I think my first choice, honestly, is to Denver go all the way down that path with Buffalo and then say, Denver, give me your best bet and taking a King's Ransom from Denver, maybe taking their first rounder next year. So I like I you would have to take a lot from Denver if you're gonna get a deal but like still, that from Buffalo, Buffalo. just has more to I give. I mean even if you would Denver get a second can't... round pick from Denver this year for moving up one spot. One, that would be nasty. It's one spot. There's no way so I love my my issue is is that twelve spot to me is about the hinge point where you go from the top end talent to mm-hmm. the next tier of player. And I'm worried about who would be available there that we could actually take. And so that's kind of why I don't like when we have the opportunity at one and four to take two of the absolute elite players in this draft. Argu- I, arguably the two best players because you'll get the top quarterback sure. and the best non quarterback defensive player, player probably. Um, it's hard for me to step away from that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so to go all the way to 12 is hard for me. Whereas going to five, if we can like actually build the value for that pick for Denver, that's the ideal situation for me. Yeah. Um, and then I don't see how we could ever do a deal with Arizona. You mentioned that as an option. I see why Arizona would want to, but I don't see a picture where that makes sense. They would have to give up so much for that to actually happen. I don't even know if they have like players on the roster that they that could would throw make in. It, like give us Patrick Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Give me David Johnson. Like, yeah. But isn't it hilarious how much more valuable a draft pick is than an actual player? Which is, right? such, like, which is, which is so such, backwards. Which is so wrong. Because, like, right, like you've seen how they've played. Like, Patrick Peterson is amazing. But like, it's about contract it's like, value, it's too. It's the contracts it's, uh, and, like, how much against the cap and everything yeah, like that, for sure. that goes into it. That's why. Uh, so, but even now that I'm thinking about it, like, if Miami wants to get down into that spot, Mm-hmm. That's from eleven, so we'll obviously get eleven. We'll take a second round pick and a first round next year plus some. Like the more we could push this draft capital down the road. No, I want it to be in future years. Is I don't probably want it this year. better exactly for us. So I want to know if, say, we do that Buffalo trade. We have five second round picks. Is there anybody willing to trade a future first for those picks at the top of the second round? Like you're at 33. Somebody trading you a future first for that? Probably. I mean, I would do that trade in a heartbeat, especially knowing that we have 36. Like that's a no brainer. Or 33 and 35. I mean, that's a no brainer. Probably. Unless it's the Patriots, and you know it's only one spot forward the next year. <laughs> I mean, freaking Bill Belichick. Um, so, anyways, but here's here's the other thought too that factors into this: which team is going to be in worse position and be at the top of the draft next year? Like, so if you're thinking between Buffalo and Miami, yeah, we talked about this. Who would you rather trade with? Through the lens of who's yeah. going to be drafting at the top next well, year, where well, that pick, that first round pick, well, if here's you the get thing. What their first rounder next year, which one's going to be more valuable? I think we disagree on this. We talked about this. I have something to say about that. The, the worst odds in Vegas, which I trust mm. Vegas, they have their numbers and they yeah. they make their decisions wisely. The worst odds to win the Super Bowl next year is the Miami Dolphins. And that's what I said was the Dolphins. They yeah. just I don't they see that. They gutted their roster. They don't have talent. 
Like, I don't see where they're going to win. Like, what do you look at on the Miami Dolphins roster and say, oh, that's how they're going to win. That's what they're good at. I feel decent about their head coach. They don't have a proven quarterback. I don't think Ryan Tannehill qualifies as a proven quarterback. But they have Frank Gore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's a baller. He's wily. He's a wily old vet. He's not going to stop. Oh, and like their games last year that they won, every like most of the games where they won, they squeaked them out. Every single one, they barely I won mean, right at the very end of I the mean, game. I mean, they dropped in Dominican Sue, they dropped Jarvis Landry, they like they have Marcus, some, they have a bunch of second tier type wide Mike receivers Pouncey, to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mike Pouncey, their offensive line is not what it was. Yeah, Juwan James last year, I think, two. didn't he? I mean, they're just kind of a shell of what they were last year, and what they were last year wasn't even that good. Right. So yeah. I. I think there's an argument to be made with Buffalo too, but I mean it's, both of those Buffalo's teams, tough to evaluate because you don't know don't who's going to be their quarterback. Like AJ McCarron is their day one starter there, and probably will be regardless of who they draft. But if if Buffalo can't get down, but I guess in this scenario they're trading down to take a quarterback. But even then they have like say AJ McCarron and Baker Mayfield. Right. I mean I don't know how to even account for that. Well, I, I, see well, Tana, be, I see Tannehill playing for the Dolphins. Both of those teams are going to be decent in the, about it. Both of those teams are going to be in the top 10 of the draft, and I would be pretty confident in saying that. <clears> and that's right why now. the Patriots are going to be the first seed in the Oh, AFC. because the freaking NFC, the AFC East is the easiest division <laughs> in the world. Think about how horrible the Jets are. They, they could be the top I, three picks in the draft. The, yeah. the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets. Honestly, the only the reason Browns they're going to have succeed. wins is because they all play each other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Browns could succeed in that division. No, the Browns no. could win that division next year if we took the Patriots spot. No, legitimately. We Yeah, no, I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't All right, argue that. So, actually. so the argument would could be made that the the Dolphins are going to be worse, but the Bills have more to give up and they're also going to be terrible. So if we can get all those second round picks and a first next year, like that's the play in my mind. I'm going with the Bills. The, the, Even if the Dolphins is number 1 overall. I want the, the Bills, Bills cuz I just be, like the stupid numbers. That we can get out of it, like two first round picks, five second round picks. Like, I would like that more with Sashi, where I knew that he was going to be able to make the most of them. I don't know if our with our current like regime, if I like feel as confident, just because I don't. You have no how many, how willing they are going to be to deal. I, I still want to hold out for the top dollar deal from Denver. I feel the best about that. Situation. But you're not going to get a first next year from Denver. Right, I wouldn't like they, imagine they signed Case Keenum to a two-year deal, so they've got him for two years. I mean, if you leverage your position super well, and they don't like any other running backs, and they like the guy that's still there, but and not you say, first round next year to move up one spot. But you take their second but, but rounder say, this year. You like, say, hey, you're great. not going to have a quarterback. I'd rather that. I think I'd rather just take like their second rounder this year, and call it a day, and then still get our guy. No, that is a legitimate thing because we're not giving up anything. We're not giving up one dang thing because we know they're taking a quarterback. So you might as well do it and be like, okay, well. but then Or even if it's a second rounder next year, I'm okay with it. But then what you are giving up is all of whatever you could get from someone else if that's the case. Like if we could get this King's Ransom from the Bills where we get a first-round pick next year and it could be in the top five and we get all of these picks from the Bills. Like I almost don't think in the second round this year, I don't think that it's worth it to do that. Here's, when you're moving back six slots. All right, let's talk about this. Let's take the Bills trade, go back to 12, two second-round picks and a first next year, mm-hmm. and then let's move back up. Who's who's wanting to, like, who's at seven? Like, the the Bucks. Would the Bucks be willing to move back? Would the Colts be willing to move back more at six? Like, could you package 12 and a couple of those second-round picks that you just picked up to move back forward, get the same player you were going to get, and pick up a first-round pick next year? It's an option. I would be down for that. the The biggest reason I don't want to do the We're Bills pick is because twelve's too far back. Yeah, but I think so, the Colts so might seven be willing or eight. to. If you send if you send twelve and two second round picks to the Colts, like those two Buffalo picks to the Colts, this is there's exact- no way the Colts say no to that. The Colts would abs- would own more than fifteen percent of the second round if that was the I case. Know, and it'd be <laughs> incredible. And Chris Ballard would be the freaking man. Yeah, um, I don't and know, I I'd be I'd be pleased as punch. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be against that scenario. 
No, that'd be awesome. Which is also, this is showing our colors a little bit, which shows why the saddest day on this podcast was when we fired Sashi Brown. At least, yeah. at least in my mind. Because I don't know you about never you. knew what was going to happen. Yeah, it was wild. It was an absolute blast. All right, so we decided to do this little exercise um, over the last couple weeks where we were going to take a look at the positions of need that the Browns have um, and take a look at the draft. We were originally planning on doing it on free agency, but that's pretty well shaken out. Um, And take a look at the draft and the different rounds of the draft, the places where the Browns have picks, and look at who is a viable option for us to pick at that different slot. Just to educate you guys a little bit, um, mostly to educate ourselves. Um, we don't really care about y'all at all. Um, it's just for us. That's why we do this podcast. That's not true. Do you know any it's of our true. listeners, Michael, besides your wife? I have lots of friends that have this on automatic download. All right. Who do you care? Who do you care about? That do has they it listen to it? Shout, shout out to them right now. This is their time. This is your time to shine. If you don't remember them, they're going to be super upset. You have 10 seconds. Uh, pass. I don't want to offend anybody <laughs> by not mentioning them. <laughs> All right, um, so Matthew took the cornerback position, um, Michael took the wide receiver position, and I took the running back position. I know we've had some movement in that in free agency, but I also still think that those are positions we're probably going to hit in the draft. Um, so we're going to go to Michael first. Wait, Matthew, did you do corners or all secondary? I did corners because we okay. had Randall, and now we've signed EJ Gaines, so I don't know how many corners we're going to – but yeah, that's I only mean, a one-year deal, so – I, it shouldn't affect our... We should still pick a corner. We, we made these plans a couple weeks ago. Um, so, Michael, you looked at all the wide receivers. You looked at the picks that we have and where we would potentially take guys. Tell us a little bit about that. So, when it comes to receivers, I think it's pretty clear that there's no like great wide receiver in this class. If you look at anyone's rankings, the earliest I've seen any receiver coming off the board is... Chris is uh, <clears throat> Calvin Ridley at 16 to the Ravens. And I don't even think that's a sure thing. So, jeez. <laughs> what are you laughing at me for? Because you keep, like, grunting and, like, hiccuping. Into because the I'm losing my voice and I'm trying to, like, <laughs> avoid sounding like a complete idiot. No, you're good. Mission accomplished. You're good. Oh, Mission accomplished. Sorry, everyone. No, you're good. So, really, there's a clear top five receivers, but I don't think there's a clear order in which they're going to be taken. And if you listen to any of these draft analysts talk about them, the top five are Calvin Ridley from Alabama, Cortland Sutton from SMU, DJ Moore from Maryland, James Washington from Oklahoma State, and Christian Kirk from AM. And I think they could go in almost any order. So from the Browns' perspective, taking one at one and four is a non-consideration. Even taking them if we trade back at 12 to say where Buffalo is, also not really a consideration from a value standpoint. So then we're looking at the top of the second round. So if any of those five guys are there, I personally am comfortable with taking any of them. Probably not James Washington. He's the one of those five I don't like as much. Um, I just don't quite see it. Uh, but any of the rest of them, I, I would be more than comfortable at 33 or 35 taking there. So then we kind of get into the next tier, and the Browns are in a weird spot where we jump all the way to 64 at the end of the second round, and then there's this huge gap. So talking about receivers that might be available at 64, that would be a good value. Any of those top five, if they would happen to drop there, that would be good. Um, But I don't think anyone suspects that any of those five will be available at 64. So then the next couple are guys that I do like, are Anthony Miller um, from Memphis, who is an interesting guy because he's dealing with a foot injury right now and hasn't been able to run, so we don't have the testing numbers to compare him against the rest of the class. But if you look at him on tape, I see a lot of Corey Coleman, honestly. Uh, but he separates, he catches the ball away from his body. How, how does he catch in like late-game situations? Uh, hard to tell. <laughs> uh, Poor Corey. Like, he won <laughs> freaking was... game when the whole country was watching the Browns. Know, like, he drops all the other pass. games had, had ended, and they switched over to the Browns, and Corey Coleman drops it. To make a quick aside on Corey Coleman, I I hope that the fact that we missed out on, like, Allen Robinson in free agency and Terrell Pryor in free agency is, like, a happy accident for Corey Coleman's career and yeah. success with the Cleveland Browns. Because the guy's just been hurt. Like, he has every opportunity to go and, like, make a name for himself. He looked amazing in the preseason. I know. And, like, early in the year, even. So, anyways, when he's been really healthy, he's been really good. 
So, I mean, Anthony Miller, this guy, he's 5'11", 201, similar body type mm-hmm. to Corey Coleman. He was ran, a walk-on. Ran a 4 5 three. I did not I know that. Yeah. I did not know that. The tape on this guy, <laughs> from what I have seen, is pretty impressive. I would be quite happy to take him on our team at 64. The other guy that I kind of like in this same ballpark is Michael Gallup, the receiver from Colorado State. He's more of a possession type guy. So he's okay. six foot, 198, 451, runs pretty good routes, catches the ball, but athletically, like any of his tests are really not all that significant. Like nothing wows you when you look at any one thing that he does, which is what kind of scares me. So then past 64, the other guy that could be in consideration there that I don't love as much is DJ Chark from LSU, who ran a 4-3-4-40, which is absolutely insane. But there's not enough good tape on him because LSU never threw him the ball because LSU just doesn't throw the ball. Which then takes us all the way from 64 to 114 for the Browns. Huge gap. Huge, huge gap. And there's a few different guys and some that are ascending, which are probably the ones that are most worth noting here. And Traquan Smith um, from UCF is a guy that Matthew has seen over the My years. Boy. So for everyone's reference, he's six foot two, weighs in at two oh three, and ran a four four nine at the combine. So that's pretty solid. Pretty solid. The most interesting thing about him is how long this dude's arms are. He's like in the ninety eighth percentile for wide receiver arm length. So he's just kind of striding downfield quite fast. But he has no short area quickness, so it looks like he doesn't literally doesn't know how to run a route. Just straight line speed. But he can run and he can find some open space if the quarterback can like find him there, and that's, that's kind of like what their offense looks like. And then that's perfect for Hugh. That's perfect for Hugh Jackson's four verticals offense. That's great. <laughs> First round, lock him up. And then the one that I can't look away from is Antonio Callaway. Being a that's, Gator, that's being, absolutely fair. Being a Gator fan, like to know that he's going to drop because of the character concerns, it'll be like, a sixth or seventh round pick. And the guy, like, as I looked what at some of this, when you tape, steal people's credit cards and and you are constantly in, you know, yeah. it wasn't just credit card stuff. I mean, he had no, other mean, he charges had, had dropped had and things, drug all, problems and other things. Yeah, we we want him in the QB room with. Or the, our, wide the rest room. of our the rest yeah the wide receiver room sorry with the rest of our boys but we got a real crew in there now just bring in Odell get him Odell <laughs> and Josh Gordon in there and just uh, just let him go Lane. just yeah. let him run wild they're fine yeah they're good you know <laughs> boys will be boys <laughs> oh man but I'm looking at this list of receivers that he's kind of smack dab in the middle of I'm watching tape on him and I'm like okay he's I just so need, much better than I all just those need guys. the comparison and say yeah. okay where does Callaway stack up with these guys. He's light years above these other guys. Yeah. Like I'm trying to like make a case for how these other guys could be good in the NFL and actually like carve a rollout. It is abundantly obvious how Antonio Callaway could be a successful if NFL he receiver. Stays on the straight and narrow. He's he ha- when you look at his tape and what he can do, he has it all. He's a little bit small, right? But he tested off the charts. Everyone says he's a first round talent with like the worst possible character concerns. I think. And so where does he go? I don't know. But if we're looking at, honestly, at another Florida player that we took in the seventh, sixth round last Caleb year, Brantley. like we took Caleb Brantley and His this is a similar situation. That bad though. Like weren't as he, egregious. He had gotten that You're right. accusation of beating a woman in a bar that everybody said was crap and it ended up getting dropped. And That sucks for him. But so to bad. me, if you take Antonio Callaway in the sixth round, it's a, it's a Tyreek Hill type value yeah situation Heck, aaron hernandez got drafted in the third round and he had murder accusations already <laughs> yeah that's how he was coming out of florida so, so he will whatever team takes antonio callaway and is willing to take that risk is going to get an incredibly talented football player and so it's too hard for me to look away from that like this late in the draft i'm fine with that especially how many picks we have and how many holes we filled well, and knowing that if we just drop him, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like, it's no skin six, off our six back. Six or seven-round pick, if he gets in trouble or if not, he's just a dick, not just seven. drop him. Yeah. We, we don't have a seventh-round pick, so, so six-round pick. I would be thrilled about that sort of situation, just knowing how good of a football player he is. Yeah. yeah. He, so, abso- he absolutely is. 
that's my consensus on my summary on the receivers and Browns options. Um, Matthew, you did the cornerbacks. What um, what do you have for us? Just looking at the different places where we might draft a cornerback, what are you going to see? Yeah, so this year's cornerback class, a lot like the running back class and the quarterback class, is unusually deep, right? If we're, if we're looking at the Browns front of the first round, first overall is a quarterback, fourth overall – Really, the only two guys would be Minka Fitzpatrick, if you're willing to play him at corner, or people are talking about Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward's really small. Like, he, he tests really great, and he has... Who cares how big he is? Like, I don't get why that, like, everyone's like, ah, I can't take him at number but, but five, because he's, he's no, small. But, but he's like 5'9", like 175. He's not 5'9", he measures 5'11". I have him at 5'10". Denzel um, Ward, combine, 5'11", 183. Thank you very much. That's, that's fine. Size. Yeah, I'll, it's fine. He's he's thin. The 183 is the more of the concern than the 5'11", in my opinion. Sure, great, but we're probably not going to so, draft says, him at number. Says the guy who's 5'11", 183. <laughs> that's actually true. That's almost exactly, <laughs> that's almost exactly what I weigh. He's that's been, hilarious. He, Which is he funny. carries it a little bit differently than you do, though. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. A little less mushroom top. <laughs> For Denzel Ward, I believe, but even even at four, uh, people aren't aren't talking about him. So in that case, we're looking towards the the guys who are going to fall to the the beginning of the second round, um, and there's a handful of guys who who could all be there. Um, I'm sure two, three, four of these guys are going to get drafted. But you've got Josh Jackson out of Iowa, which everybody likes. It's unlikely that he'll be there. Um, another UCF kid, Mike Hughes coming out tested really well um so he could be an option right there at the 33rd 35th pick there's carlton davis out of auburn um dante jackson isaiah oliver out of colorado um a guy who's did you really look at interesting isaiah to oliver me. much i did not i don't know enough about him but he's I've keep seen seeing his, his name, name in the second over round and over i did not who i did look at um is jair alexander out of louisville is that the right way to say it, or is it Jairi? I've heard somebody say Jairi, and I've been doubting the way I've been saying it in my own head. I have no idea. I've always, I've always looked at it like Zaire, like the, <laughs> the country in Africa, but just with a J. That's what I assumed, uh, and then I heard someone say Jairi, and my world was rocked the other day. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to assume that I ever know. Yeah. So, like, so until I hear like Mike Mayock say it, we'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll let it go. Um, He's an interesting prospect because he had an incredible, um, I think it was sophomore year or junior year, um, looked amazing. Two he's, years ago. He's a big athlete, ran a 4.38, um, killed it, and then he was hurt most of this last season. Didn't really put forward that like strong performance that you'd want going into the draft, but it wasn't his fault. He was just dealing with injuries all year. Um, could be a really high upside player there at 33, 35 um, that you could pick would be like a, a first round talent top end player. If well, you were to get him in the second round, it sounds like based on his testing and kind of how, where he's being projected now is he might not be available there in the second round. Isn't that right? He, he might not be, but there's like, so there's Denzel Ward and then there's like, six seven guys who are all kind of it's similar to that wide receiver like it's the first same. bunch it's the same with the where back. some of them aren't going to be there but some of them are yeah i mean i would, I would assume it out. i would assume two of them would at least drop to that like beginning of the second round and so who knows and so then we go to the end of the second round i don't know who's going to be there by that end of the second round, there's just so many cornerbacks, and I have no idea how many are going to be taken. Um, a guy that seems to be a really safe pick um, is Anthony Averett out of Alabama. Um, that seems too high to take him, though, doesn't it? He's a his sec second or third round. We don't have a third round pick, so maybe 64. Um, I do kind of like that guy. He's he's just solid. Like he's he's one of those guys. He's not flashy. Like he'll probably be your number two corner and never be better than that. But like he could be the number two corner on your team for ten years, and you would feel pretty good about it. He played four years at Alabama, and then there's there's just some interesting. There's so many cornerbacks, and there's a bunch of guys like um, Tarveris McFadden out of Florida State. There's a few guys who were no. viewed as higher, higher no. level players and then tested really, really poorly 
and dropped and will be those mid like third, fourth round picks. Um, even though they were viewed like Holt Hill out of Texas is, is in that bunch. He's, he's bigger, um, and ran like a four five, but he actually has some off field concerns. He was suspended from Texas for a while. Um, a guy who I'm interested in late in the draft <clears throat> could go five, six, seventh round, maybe a little earlier than that is somebody Mark probably knows Rashawn Galden, the cornerback out of Tennessee. He's a big kid. The Vols. Six one, almost two hundred pounds. Didn't run very fast. He was a four six one. Yeah, why would you be interested in a guy that ran that slow as a corner? In the sixth Wait. round, he's huge. So he's huge and he's athletic and he he played in the SEC and he was like Tennessee's best defender for like the last two or three years. So maybe he has to move to safety. Maybe he's a great special teams player. He's just kind of one of those guys that can play that I trust his production and his tape over his 40 time. And so if we're getting him in the fifth or sixth round, that's what you're looking hey, for. I'll pick anybody in the fifth and sixth round. It's pretty much like you're shooting blind with a shotgun, and you just kind of you get get <laughs> what get what falls. Yeah, and you see what happens after that. So, Marky, yeah, that brings us to you. You're a resident re- uh, running back expert now. Yeah, well, I guess so. I mean, I didn't do nearly as deep of a dive as Michael did with his whole spreadsheet. I actually made a spreadsheet too, but I spent most of my time on the spreadsheet. Um, and not a lot of time watching film. So I got a lot of 40 times. I got a lot of composite um, <laughs> scores based on all of the analysis who know a lot more than I do. Um, and so basically the running back situation is a lot like the wide receivers. And Matthew was saying with the later round cornerbacks, the running backs, there's, uh, there is a clear number one overall. And we all know who that is. And we all know how Michael feels about him. Um, I don't know if I've said it too much on here. I don't want Saquon Barkley. I've heard. I've heard. Um, and then after that, there, there really is a top five guys. Um, right after Saquon, Darius Geis is right behind him and thought of as like the second back running back. I would, the second best running back, I would say. And then after that, based on my composite score, there is three different guys that are tied for the number four position, actually. So it's Ronald Jones, the second out of USC, Nick Chubb out of Georgia and Sony Michelle out of Georgia. Um, so, uh, on average, only one or two running backs ever get taken. One, maybe two in the first round, but usually just one. Um, and I was looking back at John Dorsey's um, draft history, and he has never drafted a running back before the third round. So he drafted Niles Davis in the third round back in 2013, um, DeAnthony Thomas in the fourth round in 14, and then Kareem Hunt in the third round, um, obviously um, in 2017 last year. So, I mean, I mean, based on his draft history, and we've talked about this before, like it doesn't well, seem like he's probably going to draft Saquon Barkley top five. Well, there's in that. The draft. Plus, we just signed Carlos Hyde, and I think that's a significant factor too. Like pl- paying decent starter running back money to a veteran. He's kind of like on a one year deal, though. It's like a one year six million dollar deal. It's true. You we can get out of it. There's no yeah. doubt that we can get out of it. Yeah, but also to that, to that testament that Carlos Hyde is on a one-year deal is the same reason why we don't want to draft Saquon Barkley because we don't want to su- draft someone in the top five that we're only going to want to sign to a one-year deal and like are we really going to want to keep continuing his contract to long terms and so I was looking at that and I was basically just looking back at all the other running back draft classes um, and if you look back at them it's so funny because you even go back to like 2014 and you just read some of the some of the names and they just all sound so old like the first running back drafted in 2014. Who do you think it was, Michael? 2014. That's right on, that's right on the spot. There is zero chance that, you picked this correctly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is the Johnny Manziel draft. Yes. Yep. It's uh, <clears throat> Hold on. Hold on. That was a terrible rider running back class. So he's in the second round. Yeah. I th- Was it Amir Abdullah? No. No. Who was it? Bishop Sankey. hilarious so i mean that was in the second round that was by tennessee it was the 54th overall pick so it was like late second round so but i mean like that was a terrible draft class for running backs but you back to like 2013 like Le'Veon bell is the only name where you look at that and you're like okay that's a person who i would be okay if we drafted like giovanni bernard monty bell eddie lacy like only Le'Veon bell would be someone to be like okay 
that's that's reasonable. And he was drafted in the second round. Um, I think this this running back class though is this running so back class much is nasty than some of those classes yes. you're talking about. And I think every analyst that has you know covered those years would attest to the value in this year's class. No, you're absolutely right. Like ones. you look at like 2015, like Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. TJ Yeldon, they're all Duke Johnson was drafted in the third round that year in 2015. Like, but there's value to be had late in the draft over and over. David Johnson was drafted in the third round after Duke. The value of these running backs, when I'm looking back at it, is to be had in like the third, the third round, sec, late second round, something like that. I mean, that's what John Dorsey's been doing in the past. So if we were going to draft a running back at one and four, the only person who it makes sense value-wise would be Saquon Barkley. No. Don't um, do no, it, Browns. No, no, obviously, yes. That's what you feel. But, like, I mean, Saquon is the fastest, the strongest, and the hardest working running back in the draft. Like, that would it's be not great even, if he could actually break tackles through, like, the line of scrimmage. I mean, he can squat more than Joe Thomas can. Yeah, but he it's can not translating on the field from everything that I see. Like, he does not break tackles and fight through contact, and it drives me absolutely crazy. I mean, every single analyst but my God, that you is it, looking at Saquon, he, he doesn't just have jumps to break tackles him. because he, he... He just jumps over him. He eludes the tackles. He's just going to hurdle everybody. <laughs> I see significant bust potential with Saquon Barkley. And there's also a real thing in that I really like Duke Johnson, and I think the best skills of Saquon Barkley completely overlap with the best skills of Duke Johnson. And so yes. it doesn't seem like a great fit. I agree with that. You're kind of you want to find someone that matches like counterbalances what Duke Johnson can do, and Saquon would be really great in open space catching the ball. Um, so, I mean, if we're gonna pick someone one and four, the only person that would make sense would be Saquon uh, because no one else is gonna go that high. So then we go to the second round. We got 33, 35, and 64. Um, those guys are all it's Darius Geis, Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb, and Sony Michelle. Um, so it just depends on who you like. I mean, Sony Michelle. I think it's my favorite out of all of those guys. Um, I saw some. You like him more than guys? Um, well, guys, they're they're just they're just different. Like at thirty three, both of those guys are on the board. Well, I think Darius guys will probably guys. be gone. Um, I think Darius guys will probably be gone. I've seen he I've very seen, well might not be though. I think it's a really real possibility that Darius guys is still there at thirty three. There's a chance. I, I mean, I looked. I didn't look. I could see the Eagles taking him there. I think he'll probably either be taken with one of the last few picks of the first round, or he'll be there at thirty-three. I think there's yeah. at least a fifty percent chance I've seen that the, he's there. At I've seen a draft that said the Lions were going to pick him at twenty. So what Darius guys brings is he's just like violent. He's just a violent runner. He runs downfield. He's angry. And he's so fast. Yeah, he, he, gets, he the ball hits too. the hole. He can catch the ball too. He's he is so very good. great. So he ran a four-four-nine, which is the third fastest out of all the running backs. Saquon's number one. And then um, Rashad Petty is number two, and then Darius Geis is number three. To, so yes, he is crazy fast, and he's also crazy strong. Um, okay, to your point about him not being there, I don't think anyone thought that Dalvin Cook was going to make it out of the first round last year either. Like it happens all the time that running backs drop. It happens to running back because people don't want to draft running backs crazy high because you get value from them later on in the draft. It's kind of funny how all the teams who are picking later in the first round don't want to pick running backs at the top of the draft. It's almost like there's a correlation between being good <laughs> and not taking running backs. So we might Sony, be onto something there. Sony Michelle is another one of those guys that um, might get picked up in that in that early second round um, spot. Um, at 33 or 35, he basically one one of the knocks on Sony Michelle, which I did want to mention, is he's always jumping the ball outside, kind of like your knock on Saquon Barkley. Is he's not running between the tackles, he's not forcing it upside. He's he's has the tendency to to cut outside. Part uh, of that is the and... role that he played in that offense, though. Like Saquon Barkley was the running back at Penn State, whereas Sony Michelle was sharing the workload with Nick Chubb, where he wasn't like all. If they were going to be running between the tackles, like more than more often than not, that's a Nick Chubb responsibility yeah. versus a Sony Michelle responsibility. And when I did see him get the chance, like I saw him busting through holes and like making things happen. Um, but he he does have a good burst. Oh, uh, yeah. and he puts his foot in the ground. And he's quick. My biggest um, thing with Sony Michelle is he fumbles the ball at a higher rate than any of these the time than any of these other running backs. And, and if that, we have him paired with Duke Johnson, that's a lot of fumbles. 
I think it's a little bit of a reach at 33 or 35 just because yeah. – But I think I think any of these guys are a reach at 33 or 35 if it's not Geis. That's my take too. Because Ronald Jones is getting all this backlash for – I don't want Ronald I Jones. I don't really like him either. He's always up there on the boards, but no one ever is talking about him. Like, No, there's actually – I've heard of a handful of people that are like big, big fans. Uh, I'm not personally one of those big fans of Ronald Jones. Um, watch him turn out to be a perennial all star, but yeah, um, he'll be the best of the group. But he's getting a bunch of backlash for like his attitude, I guess, with a, a lot of stuff. And I know he's a little bit banged up right now. He wasn't a hundred percent during their pro day uh, the other day. I, I don't think he's trending in the right direction. He ran a four six five. He's hobbled. His like hamstrings jacked up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and Ugh. that's one of the things with tiny Daniel. tiny hands. Can't have that. <laughs> tiny hands. Only eight and three quarter hands. Well, That's think... tiny. <laughs> that like is legit like almost like two full inches smaller. It doesn't than my... matter when you're a running back, but okay, that's fine. For holding on to a ball, if you, if you hold it high and tight, that's all you really need to do. Yeah, it does not matter for a running back how big your hands are. It does not matter. It matters for a receiver. It matters for a quarterback. quarterback. And I don't think it really matters for many other positions. Maybe an offensive lineman's surface area for friction, coefficient of friction that you're going to just <laughs> like, rub all over the defensive tackle. <laughs> so, all right. So, so one of the guys that I looked into for a really late, ri- um, late round pickup is like this is like six round, 205 place. And that's Rock Thomas out of Jacksonville State. So he's actually originally he was at Auburn but he transferred out because he didn't want to sit behind Carrion Johnson. Um, but he came in um, in 2014, I think it was, um, out of high school, and he was in this running back class with all of these ridiculous, ridiculous runners. That was like that. What's that, his name, Mark? Uh, Rock Thomas. Rock Thomas. Straight just up. R O C K. No, just C. There's no okay. K. They did, they didn't bother with the K. It's a awesome. Just. Just Quite like frankly, a badass Rock, name. Rock Nation. It, it's a pretty great name for yeah. a running back. I'd be totally fine with drafting Rock Thomas based on his name alone. Um, but he came in with his running back class. The other people that were in front of him in this class out of high school were Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Christian McCaffrey. What about John Kelly from Tennessee? I kind of like that guy. I just feel like he fits the like hole that we have at running back. Like, that guy's going to run between the tackles. He's not going down easy. He can catch passes if you need him to. Like, that guy, he'll be like a fifth-round pick or something, though, right? Like, I think he's gaining a little bit of steam. Um, I think he's, like, fourth, fifth round. Probably fourth is, like, the the highest. Yeah, from what I saw, he's, like, 75%. uh, Out of, like, on average, like, 25 guys get drafted. that's, That's actually high. Like, 20 guys get drafted running backs. And he's right there around 20. But when this I, is a deeper class than most. You want to hear his 89% comp on mock draftable? Adrian Peterson? Yes. That's what I saw. That's, that's saying something. Yeah, and look at how good Alvin Kamara did after he came out of Tennessee when he was no longer in a crap offense. Man, Adrian Peterson's 20-yard shuttle was in the first percentile. That's That's terrible. That's evidence that they don't have to be good across the board. Yeah. Like, what are these guys good at? Where will they succeed? Like, you have to project them into specific roles. I mean, one of the best. John Kelly's 20-yard shuttle, 6 percentile. So better than Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. So John Kelly's a guy that I've got my (laughs) eye on for late. If we don't don't take him. John Kelly, better than Adrian Peterson. (laughs) Matthew Kinn. Bigger hands than Ronald Jones. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's all I care about. Um, one of the other guys that I liked looking at, um, and I mentioned, was Rashad Petty. Um, Rashad Petty. I don't know if he'll slip all Penny. the way. Penny. Penny. I don't know if he'll slip all the way into the fourth. Was I? <laughs> you said it wrong like said, three times. Petty, like Bryce Petty, Petty or yeah. Tom Petty. <laughs> great names, great guys. All right, great people. Um. He's go. I don't know if he'll slip all the way into the fourth round because he's kind of right there in that second group of oh, people. Oh, there's no chance but, he's going to get to the fourth round, I don't think. But, no, he's fast. And the bottom, like, he's probably, like, the eighth running back overall from my uh, – um, or I minimize it here. No, oh, he's, the up he's up there. He's up there for gone. sure. I mean, everyone 
uh, from the people that I've no, heard I talk the, about the, Rashad the composite, Penny. The composite score of all the different things yeah. I looked at, he's the 10th overall running back. Oh, I have him like even higher than that on a bunch of the lists that I've seen. Um, all right, so I did CBS, Walter... Sports oh yeah, and no draft tech. No, I mean this is just the point of how CBS deep has the running back class is. Yeah, that's how deep the running back class is. Is just that he's up that high. A lot of people consider him to have a very similar skill set to Saquon Barkley, just not as elite. Yeah, I mean that's which which like has the, the same dig as he bounces it outside and yeah. he's just not as he's that ridiculous. type of running back. Yep. yep. Which I would be fine with getting him. Couldn't yeah. we couldn't we say that about all of us? We all have the same skill set as Saquon Barkley, just not quite as elite. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a, a matter just of factors. A different, different scale. Just a different spot of the spectrum. <laughs> Which, to, to be known, we are going to tweet out later on this week. This is going to make us do it. Our 40 times. We are all going to run the 40. We'll film and it. And we're going to see how unelite our uh, skill set is compared to Saquon Barkley. Who? Do we all think we're going to have the best 40 times? I've packed Mark, on a few in Mark, the last Mark, who few. do you think is going to be the fastest? I think it's going to be me. Michael? I think it'll be me. I think I'm going to be the <laughs> That's hilarious. That's no, so I was funny. thinking about this. I was like, I don't think any one of us is going to like actually admit right, that we think we... we won't be as no. fast. Mark, who do you think is going to be in last place? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be Michael. Michael, who do you think is in last place? You. I think it's going to be Michael. It's just going to be all the more embarrassing whenever I beat you guys at this. I hope you do. That would be great. I don't actually at all. I don't know why I said that. I hope you pull a hammy. You fall in the middle and you don't even finish the 40. I'm going to laugh. I'm excited for this. This could be some good content. This could be. We're going to make it happen. Or terrible content. content. Nobody cares (laughs) about it. That's probably honestly. I think we're the only ones that think it's good content. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this baby up. Speaking of good content. Barbasol's got some good content for you, and it's some new razors. The brand America's always trusted now has razors, premium disposable ones with advanced pivoting heads and ultra-thin blades. You're looking good, America, and I'm good at doing that read. (laughs) You're welcome, Barbasol. You're welcome. I'm actually going to shave my beard here coming up soon. Ahead of the 40? um, Yeah, to get some more aerodynamics in there. I'm going to lube up, too, so that the wind just flies right off. Um, and I'm going to be killing y'all. I'm definitely going to use Barbasol shaving cream and razors to make that happen. Well, I'm going to use clippers first, but (laughs) that would be awful. Um, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, I hope that you enjoyed our dive into the different prospects. Um, We'll see you again soon. Um, As soon as new Browns information comes up, we're planning to record um, two weeks from now. Um, as always, thank you so much. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Um, send us an email if you have any questions, comments, concerns, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. And thank you so much for all of the computers that are listening to us in Tokyo. Y'all are the best. Go Browns. Go Browns.